Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thank you, Henny. Thank you, Henny. Thank you, Roussel. It's so good to, to be among you. And it's amazing to have a full church, um, widely spaced, but full. It's amazing. I'm just, I'm just waiting for that moment where they're going to say buffs off. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to be, <laughs> we can change strategy again. Survivor series. <laughs> um, it's good to have my brother here and some friends that I haven't seen for a long time. It's good to see members that used to be in Durbanville that the Lord sent up that is doing a great job here. Um, so it's really, it's a, it's a privilege for me to be here. This morning, if you give me a second, I'm just going to open up a slide here on this side. I'm going to talk about getting offline. And I think it's, you know, this is one of those sermons that you, everyone is going to want to hear. I'm going to talk about taking a break. I'm taking, talking about resting. Anyone keen for that? Okay, so the Lord says, take a break, let's go. Service over, let's take a break. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know if you, uh, maybe you've, you've had a weekend off, and uh, you spent it just chilling, laying on your couch, eating popcorn and sweets and burgers and pizzas, having a beer, having a coffee, just lying down the whole weekend, but you get up on Monday morning and you still feel fatigue. You still feel tired. Maybe you decided that this evening you're going to get to bed early, you're going to sleep well and rest well, and you put down your bed, and you wake up tomorrow morning, even if you don't have any kids waking you up, you wake up tomorrow morning after eight hours of sleep, and you still feel fatigue. You still feel tired. So I want to talk this morning about our need for rest. Now, God created us as people made in His image. Genesis 1, we were made in his image, we were made as workers, and we were made as relators. Those three things, Genesis 1, 26, 28, made in the image of God, from where we get our identity, our value. But with that, we were created with a job. God says, let's make man to rule, to govern the earth, to keep it and to cultivate it. It speaks about preserving that which is good and cultivating wealth, the stuff that you do well in Johannesburg, the reason why Johannesburg exists, because people moved here to get the money, gold from the ground, and to cultivate, to cultivate a community, a society, a people, to cultivate wealth. It's godly. It is man-made. We are made as workers. Anyone who has been unemployed or frustrated at work for a long season knows that we are made to, to produce. That's essentially who we are. But this morning, I want to talk about our, our tendency in our age, and it's not just in our age, to be unbalanced in that way. That if we are primarily workers, producers, cultivators, fighters, people who make stuff, if that is out of balance with being someone loved, cherished by God, regardless of your performance. We all know, if you do well, if you succeed, if you're in a job and you're killing it and you're making it well, you love going back to work because you get that validation. Even if the boss never says you do well, you know you do well. You know making a difference. And even if you're not making a difference, you're making money. <laughs> we all know the feeling of satisfaction from a job well done, of pouring yourself out in your work. 
So then we don't necessarily have the need to be validated as being precious or loved because we get our validation. The problem is if you're in a season in your life, or maybe your season has been for the last 30 years since you existed, where you're not making it. You simply haven't found your groove. You're pouring yourself out of your job, but it's not as though that satisfies you. It's not as though you make a massive difference there. You know, you're frustrated in your endeavors to produce, to make, to work. We don't feel good. I mean, I've had friends that were frustrated at work. I've had friends who were unemployed for a long season. My wife has been unemployed now for two months. Actually, for seven months, she did some contract work, but she's been unemployed for two months. And there's a sense of frustration of, you know, what's my value? You know, I want to do something. I've got this skill. I've got this qualification. I've got this drive. I've got this dream. But I'm not going somewhere with my work. It's not as though I'm going somewhere. That frustration of what's the point? And we all know that, that frustration as well. So this morning, I want to talk about the need to rest and the need to rest well. And sometimes also maybe you will find the value in this session this morning, short, that the reason why sometimes you wake up on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning tired after enough sleep is because rest is more than sleep. There's a rest that is more than sleep. There's a rest that God invites us. So we're going to look at the biblical concept of Sabbath. Let me throw out straight. I'm not talking about Friday evening, 6 o'clock, to Saturday evening, 6 o'clock. I'm not talking about a Jewish calendar day, because Colossians and Ephesians telling us straight out that there's no need for you to observe biblical Sabbath, calendar days, new moon festivals and stuff like that. So I'm not talking about a rest that comes from a spiritual fuzzy cloudness. I'm talking about the concept of ordering, ordering your life in such a way that you will live well. Let me just, ugh, long introduction. Let me just throw it out there quickly. That it's possible for you to serve Jesus, to have a, a tight relationship with him, and never ever obey the concept of a Sabbath or Sabbaths. Because there's a Sabbath and there are the holidays, Sabbaths. It's possible for you to have a great relationship, justified by faith, amazing. But let me put it out straight. You will not live well. Because God gave these commands and then he says, do these commands so that you may obey and live well. Shalom. So that you may have peace. So that you may live in peace. So I want to talk about living well this morning, going offline. I mean, just the invitation this morning. All of you just want to say, yes, let's pack up. Let's go to the ocean. I want to sing a song about holidays, but let's not do that now. First slide there. Thanks for helping me this morning. Is it Gerard? Gerard? Yeah, lekker. Thanks for helping you this morning. It's amazing. You'll see some of you can identify well with these images. Um, oh, especially, especially after every, every year this time of the year, every, every year, November, we want to shut down. People want to put up Christmas trees, and we just want to, we just want to rest, like stuff the Christmas trees. I just want to take a break. Take me to the beach. Take me somewhere. Just take me anywhere. Or I'll stay at home, but don't tell anyone I'm at home. Just want to take a break. But especially this year after COVID, after a season of intense work, of disrupting of work, um, work habits, some people frustrated not being able to work, others wishing to not do some work for a few days because work has escalated, work has invaded my home. Um, that's the problem with these electronic devices is work follows me home. There used to be 20 years ago that you would go home and the only work that you take home you bring in your briefcase. 
Usually, if you're a teacher, you would bring your homework in a briefcase. But nowadays, work follows you home because you're never alone. You, Google knows where you're on because Google knows, you know, your boss knows where you are. And he finds you, and work is, invades the space where you're supposed to rest. Even your relationships are disrupted. And this year especially, you see the image there of the Japanese man. In Japan, they have a, they have a, a word for, for burnout and deaths related to burnout because of work, karoche. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honorable thing in Japanese culture to pour yourself out to the point of death on the job. It's honorable because you're giving yourself to your company. In, in, a, in a culture, it's honorable. And it's amazing that, that, the, that they've got special investigators, court cases, that will investigate the case. Did this person really die from overwork? More than 1,000 people a year in Japan. More than 2,000 die on site in work, not in accidents, but just on heart attacks. But a 1,000 of them, more than a 1,000, are ruled annually as karachi. And then the government would command a certain fund to pay out Karachi dividends to the family. So this man died on the train station away on his way from work. Worked more than 160 overtime hours a month for a few, few years. Um, his wife and his two kids were left without him. But it's deemed an honorable death. We don't have Karachi dividends in our country. I think it would be right for companies to honor the families because many people work themselves to death. We don't deem it honorable to die on the job, but many of us have the same work culture that think we exist to work, that are unbalanced in our lifestyle of working. So I want to talk into that today. Burnout, next slide. You can't see everything there. You can't read everything there. But burnout symptoms speak about um, it's, you're so tired and constantly fatigued, emotionally worn out, in, uh, unable to relate, unable to find joy in the stuff that you used to find joy in. Burnout and compassion fatigue have the difference in that burnout says that all of a sudden you find yourself disillusioned. Your moral compass fades away because you think, what's the point in anything? So. That's when people do stupid things like going to have affairs with people at job or doing dumb things with alcohol and with drugs and stuff. It, it, it's just a sense to numb the pain or the frustration. And sometimes you numb the emptiness, the, the, numb, the sensation of not feeling anymore, not relating, not, not, not connecting well. Burnout leaves one alone, frustrated, and hopeless because you're spiritually and emotionally worn out and your body takes a shot for it. So I want to talk into that this morning. And um, it's into that that Jesus gave the <laughs> great clarification. He was walking through a field one day, and like I would do, his disciples, it was a Sabbath, but his disciples were grazing. I'm a grazer. I would eat the whole time. If you have stuff around, never leave a pack of chips in front of me. It's, kinda, it's, kinda, it's improper to put a pack of chips in front of me. There's the party, because I don't notice, but this, I've got this habit. It goes in here. Um, so I'm a grazer, and his disciples were grazers as well. They were eating from the grain fields as they were walking, and the Pharisees were watching them, saying, Oh, you are sinning because you're disobeying the Sabbath, because you are, you are harvesting on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to harvest on the Sabbath day. And Jesus laughed at them and said, You silly people. It's not wrote it, written down, but you know that's what he said. 
So you silly people. It's not as though God made man to observe a Sabbath. No, God made Sabbath because man needs Sabbath. Man needs rest. I'm going to say this straight to you. You need rest. Let's look biblically what does rest look like. Rest biblically, three things I'm going to highlight. First one is God invites us, first of all, into a rest of reflection, to stop our daily tasks and invite us to remind ourselves of a few, few things. A rest of reflection. It's amazing that when God created man, at the pinnacle of his creation, at the crown, the top of his creation, after six days of having created everything, God made man and he set the Sabbath day aside. Now, God did not, there's no instruction or law given in the garden because there's no need for law when everything is holy. So God's Bible says, set the seventh day apart. It's different from the other days. And man was created at the, somewhere on the sixth day. So Adam and Eve have not lived for 24 hours yet. Have you thought about that? They have not existed for 24 hours. They were made 43 years old at the peak of their creation, strong and fit. You know, it's like amazing. They feel strong. They feel amazing. Everything was amazing. Yeah, everything was perfect in them. They have not existed. There is no sickness. There is no weariness. There is no worry. There is no concern. There's no need for rest. They haven't even existed for 24 hours. But the invitation is no work. Stop. And they're like, you just gave me a job. I just got a wife. I got a job. And there's a big job. I've got all of God's creation to govern, to cultivate, and to keep, to protect. I, I must find out. I haven't even seen everything yet. I must go out and explore what, what's what am I supposed to do? I need to do some cultivation here. I've got to bring something out of this ground. There's so much potential. You know, you've got this energetic man who's ready to do his thing, woman as well. And God says, whoa, what is the rest that God invited Adam and Eve in a perfect garden into? It's the rest of reflection that Adam, Eve, it does not all depend on you. The world does not hang on your shoulders. Before you were here, I made everything and I cared for everything, Adam. Adam, I invite you to participate with me. Adam, it's not your burden. Adam, unburden yourself before me. Before you do anything, rest in the fact that I am in control and that I'm making everything. I have made this. Before you came on the scene, everything was okay, Adam. Adam, you can stop for a day. The world will not fall over. Adam, you should stop for a day and know the world will not fall over. Because, Adam, you're not God. Rest in my sufficiency. Rest in my wisdom and my power and my knowledge. Yes, Adam, it feels as though you're going to stop today and you will not be able to do this job. It will feel as though everything will crash Everything will crash to the ground if you don't do your job. Adam, if you feel that, stop. And if it falls, it falls, Adam. But you are not God. You are not all sufficient. You are not made to bear the burden of everything. Rest. Take a break. Shalom. Peace will come 
when you unburden yourself in the presence of God. Cast your cares on me, says the Lord. I will, I will care for you. Cast your cares on me. Cast your cares. First invitation to Adam and to rest. The first principle of rest in the Bible is a rest. So listen to this now. It's possible for you to take a Saturday or Sunday off, watch movies the whole day, and wake up tired in the morning. You know why? Because you've not unburdened yourself in the presence of God. You haven't unburdened yourself in the presence of God. This is a daily ritual that we do. But I'm going to say the day that you stop your stuff, you intentionally say, I'm going to stop my stuff now. I'm going to rest. God, I'm aware. And when, you, when the cares and the concerns and all those responsibility tick boxes comes up in your head for all our driven people, and you go, tick, 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 I've got to do these things, then all you do is to say, God, these things are really an issue, God. Now, is there a time when the ox falls into the pit, Jesus says, and you have to save the ox? Absolutely. However, if you find your oxen falling on the pit every single week on your Sabbath day, then flip it, put up a fence. <laughs> the Bible says a fence must come. <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad joke, bad joke. Anyway. Put up a fence. You put up a fence. You have to stop your stuff. If you find yourself, you've got to, you've got to put up those barriers. You've got, you've got to put up those walls. You've got to put up those, those, those barriers around you and saying, this has got to stop now. This is my rest. The reality is, a few years of this, there will be nothing left of you. Why do people look worn out, some people, worn out? At the age 40, nothing left. It's because you don't obey the simple principle of unburdening yourself in the presence of God. Next one is there's a rest in also reflection, but in my insufficiency. Now, this might sound strange, so let me, let me give backstory. I'm going to try to be brief now. Any you're going to have to keep me my time. It's a belief. I don't do that myself. I'm not, I'm not good with that. Um, but the next one is, it was my birthday a while ago, and, um, and on my birthday, I told my brother this, just actually the Monday of my birthday, so I'm going to be brief now, I'm going to try to get it. So I went to the office, and we've got a great culture at our office of celebration, we really try to celebrate stuff, um, because life is so flippant serious, it's everything is serious, the ministry, everything is serious, everyone is burning up, like, so we, we celebrate and um, on my way to the office, thinking deep in thought, the next moment I get a WhatsApp. It was a robot. It was red, and I looked at my WhatsApp. <laughs> and I saw that the office, Nicole in the office said, no, come to, come to my house. They recently renovated the house, moved into the house again. Um, they were out of their house for nine months because of COVID. They would have been out of their house for two months. They were <laughs> nine, anyway, so it's a big celebration. So then let's have the office meeting in her house over breakfast. It's amazing. So I was still half an hour early, went to the office, walked into the office, and the whole office was full of kids, not mine, other people's kids, my staff members. So then I realized, okay, 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 this is a surprise birthday because this is what they do. So it's my surprise birthday. It's two days earlier. And I was so frustrated, irritated, demotivated, apathetic about their, their desire to celebrate me. And I'm like, whoa, that's strange. I mean, so I went into the office, and um, I got into my car. It's a five-minute drive. 
to her house, and I, I drove longer than five minutes because I was so surprised that why don't I want to be celebrated? Why, why Usually I don't like it when people make a fuss about me. This was more intense. I was so aware that I don't want to sit at this breakfast table this morning and hear one person saying a nice thing about me. And I'm like, that's strange, you know? It's not as though I'm a, I'm a, we've got great working relationship. Really, sincerely, I've got a great working relationship with the people around me. And, that it, and I just figured out that the reason I believe that I don't want them to celebrate me is because I don't believe the stuff I know they're going to say. In my head, I agree with what they're going to say. I saw beforehand. I know what they're going to say. They're going to say these things because I know myself and I know them and I know this is what they like about me. And they're going to say these things. But I don't want to hear it this year. I don't want to hear it because I don't want to hear them because I don't believe that I've done well enough this year. This year was crazy. In every account, our church did really, really well this year. In fact, we expanded quite a bit in, in some of our ministries and stuff. It's been, so it's been a great working year. And relationally, you know, I can see people are forming, I can see them growing a lot. But I was so affronted by the idea that they're going to say nice things, and I don't believe it. And, uh, and I wonder whether they, they believe what they're saying. So I'm suspicious about that. So I've got issues. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, so essentially I don't want to hear it because I don't feel that I've performed well enough for them to celebrate me. And I'm like, whoa, that, as someone who preaches the gospel, that doesn't sound good. My value is not in my performance. Obviously, I value myself in my performance. And the irony is things are really going well. I had a similar incident on the Wednesday because we had a big small group leaders function. And again, Theo hijacked the microphone and made me uncomfortable for a long time in front of everyone. I recognized I had an issue. Anyway, the big thing that I realized is in my heart that I'm so, and I bet there are so many of you who don't like people fussing about them. Some of you do, like my wife. She just takes it all in. It's amazing. And I always thought it's strange, but she's healthy. I'm not. Um, But I rest in my insufficiency. And God is inviting me to stop my work like he did. To be able to say after every working day and after every working week, to stop, to after every harvest when the Sabbath comes, Sabbath holiday, to stop and to say, this is what I did. Well done. Well done, Ross. You did a good job. It's necessary for you to stop and rest in your insufficiency. Now, with our social media stuff and the standards, it's difficult for us to rest in the fact that I have done enough. I am enough. Because this issue is I am never enough. And it's difficult to rest because I am never enough. And God's invitation is stop at the end of my day and rest saying it's sufficient. I did good. God, did I do good? Yes, Ross, you did good. Rest in my insufficiency. Was it perfect? Never will be perfect. Sometimes it's flippant close to perfect. Joking. Anyway. (laughs) Rest in my sufficiency. Anyway, there's a rest. Two reflections and rest. First one. Let me just put it up in the next slide there. Um, You can put it up the next slide. So the two reflections and rest is rest in God's sufficiency and resting in my insufficiency. Because I am human. I am not God. And I rest that this is what I did. 
and I'm going to stop now. Some of you can never hand over a project. Some of you can never finish a painting. Some of you can never, uh, never feel ready to present your work because it's never good enough. It's never good enough. And the invitation is Sabbath, you stop your work. You rest. And did you get what he said there in the previous slide? Maybe you can just bounce back to the previous slide. It was evening. It was morning. It's the end of the day. Morning and evening. Why don't I just throw it out there? We have 24 hours in a day. Half of it has light. Half of it doesn't have light. There's a hint there. Just because we have electricity doesn't mean the work does not stop. I really want to help you. And, and is there a problem with you? There's a problem with our culture. There's a problem with our culture. We are not satisfied. We have to work more. We want to earn more. We want to get more. But then we miss the life that we live, the youth that we can enjoy. Anyway, so the next slide there. It's just a remember where the celebration. So this is the essence of the celebration that God gives a command at the end of Moses' life. Just re-giving of the Lord, Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. And then he says, you shall remember that you were slaves, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Johannesburg. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God command you to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the high point, the sign of the covenant that God has with Israel. A constant reminder that when I saved you, your value was in what you performed. If you stop performing well, your life is worthless, the slave dies. God says, you're not like that anymore. I saved you from that. Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. You are worth more than what you get. So that moves us to the second point. First one is reflection, the rest of reflection. The second point of ref is the rest of relating, and it goes on with that. So a few places in the law, but especially in Leviticus, it says that six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, oh, Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy gathering. Did you get that? A holy gathering. Sabbath, point of Sabbath is not just you unclutching from work. Not just you unplugging from work. It's you plugging into a gathering, a people, a community, your family. It's possible for you to rest, watch, binge Netflix, lie, eat pizza, rest, wake up the next morning and not feel fully rested because you're still alone. <laughs> Our driven society leaves us Tired, fatigued, I want to say sick as well, and secondly, lonely. God says the reason why we have a Sabbath is for you to stop working and understand that you were created in God's image as a worker and a relater. So stop your work. Today you're only a relater. Today you're only a relater. Where your value, you come home for the weekend, you come home on the Sunday, maybe it's the only off day or Saturday or Friday, which only off day that you have. You come home to a wife and a kid. You come home to friends. You come home to mom, to dad. You come home to family where you celebrate that not, no one, they don't care. Nathan knows what I do. He calls me the boss of the church. And then he says, no, 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 but, but Jesus is the boss of the church. So 
So, Dad, I don't know what you do. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I do either. Anyway, sometimes my congregation doesn't know. Anyway. But um, you come home to a family, and I'm celebrated not because of what I do. I'm celebrated because of who I am. Relationships deteriorate over time because we don't relate without work. There are many other reasons as well. So there are no condemnation here. There are not many other reasons. But when I come home, I am simply dad, I'm son, I'm friend. And please note that these are feasts. See that it goes over to feasts? So it's not just the Sabbath. There are three times in a year in the agrarian culture that they had holidays where we get holidays. We get our word holidays from three times in a year. So it's after harvest times. They would take a break, stop, leave the field, and back up to Jerusalem or to another place. But they would go and travel as a family together, track as a family, camping. They go camping, really. They have the Feast of Huts, the Feast of Camping. They camp together as a family, away from work, away from... What's the point? We leave everything, and we go together. And the point of us going together is so that we can celebrate who we are, not what we do. We dad is not concerned about his bad performance rating at work or the stress about those workers. And mom is not concerned about the worries of that and that and that and her work and her house and her everything. Where it's like, it's just me. Where we celebrate our identity and our being. And when you see, you do it not just as an individual, but you do it as a people, a community. Who are we? Where do we come from? What are we? It's got not, where you are defined not just as a worker, but as a relater. Next one. There are seasons, however, and I want to I say this straight. This is necessary for you to, to seriously consider. It's more it's better for you to consider now than it was a long time ago, 50 years ago. It was frowned upon. Only people in academic circles and people in ministerial circus circles had sabbaticals. Where there's a prolonged period of extensive work where a two-week holiday will not refresh you. And you have to just take the plunge and say, listen, I think, I think I'm going to unplug for, for a while. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live off my fat until there's no fat left. I'm going to stay with my friend on his couch for a while. And my point is for me to revive where you have been burnt out, where there's very little of you left. You see it actually once in Jesus' ministerial life where there's a hint in John chapter 10 where he went away for a long time to the place where he was baptized at first and there he stayed for a long time. But we see this here in Leviticus, uh, in Acts chapter 14 as well. From there, Paul and Barnabas sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. So after their first missionary trip. Now I want you to get this in context. Paul understands from his call from the Lord that he is the apostle to the Gentiles. So you're, you're the white there. <laughs> he's the one person, at least he's a, but he's one person commissioned in the Bible to preach the gospel to non-Jewish people which is the rest of the world, eh? We thank Jesus for Paul, that's all I'm saying. So he's the one person. And here Paul eventually, after a few years, some say 13 years after hearing those words and seeing Jesus, 13 years later, him and Barnabas 
the encourager, son of encouragement, are sent on the first missionary journey to Galatia. And they preached the gospel there. Now, it's been hectic. If you read that, those, those two chapters, it's packed, it's short. But the story is there is serious. I mean, he was stoned outside a city, and the new believers had to pick him up, revive him. Presumably left dead. Maybe they re- resurrected him. We don't know. But he was, the point of stoning was killing. So <laughs> whether he was really dead or not, he's not, it was tough. Okay? We know that he was sick. He eventually stopped in Galatia because of his eye infection. So he was sick for a period. It was rough travel. It was hard travel. They didn't have air-conditioned aircraft or cars. It was rough travel. It was, everything was rough for a long time. Preaching, preaching. No one loved him. Everyone chased him, beat him out of a city. So it was tough on him. He came back. He lands there. He gives a good report of all the churches that have been planted. It was amazing. It was really amazing. And then he realizes that the rest of the world still needs to hear about Jesus. And if he does not preach them to them, they will die without Christ. And then he says, I'm going to take a break for a long time. I'm going to take a holiday. The whole world is going to hell. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> Rough if we say it like that. But he understands Sabbath. I need to be revived. I need to be revived. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not in this for the short haul. For me to live is Christ to die is gain. He says, yes, but I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to live But for now, I need to be revived. I need to be strengthened. I need to be renewed because this was taxing on me. And I'm going out again, but I'm only going out if I've got something to give. I'm only going out when I've got something to give. Some of you have been running on empty for a while. Some of you have been sowing from not having anything. Some of you have been giving out and giving out, but you know that you're not giving out from your heart anymore. Some of you have lost your joy in your job. It's just because you haven't taken a break to get revived. Your passion is lost. Some of you are disillusioned. Some of you, your relationships are so fragile because it's work, 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 work the whole time. And the Lord is saying, stop your work. In a culture that says we pay you for your performance, God says stop because your value is more in what, than what you produce. I'm going to say this again straight. Maybe you can just show the closing slide there. The, maybe that identity offline trust thing. Right, slide. You'll see that Sabbath has to do with these issues. It has to do with a sense of identity. We stop our work so that God and I myself may remind myself that I am more than my performance. I am more than my work. I am more than what I earn. I am more than my job status. I am more than my title. I am more than that. I stop. Identity. I am God's beloved, cherished, holy person. I am father. I am wife. I am husband. I am friend. I'm a member of God's household. I'm precious to God. I'm great, even if I do nothing. The words that the father said to Jesus, he said to Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he has done nothing in terms of his purpose up until that point. That point. Resting in who I am. Secondly, it always involves trust. It's going to take a faith thing for you to stop your job. Whether it's for one day, whether it's for a holiday for two weeks, or whether it's going to be for three months, six-month period. 
It's going to take a massive faith step for you. You're going to have to trust that the world won't fall apart and you won't fall apart, that you're not lost to it. It's going to take a massive faith step for you. It's something you plan. It's something you work towards. But this is the reality, that unless you obey the scripture that says that Sabbath was made for man, you won't live well. We know heart deficiency, illness, sickness, broken relationships, mental stress, emotional burnout, that's a reality of burnout. So God invites us to come back to the ancient paths, to look to the invitation saying, stop your work even if you don't feel tired. Rest a day even if you don't feel tired. Remind yourself who you are. Unburden yourself in the presence of the Lord. Relate to those around you. Allow me to revive you on the inside. The word that the Lord said three times today. Let me breathe life into you again, dead bones, that you may live and feel powerful again. Because the Lord is saying, I'm inviting you to live well. And in doing so, God says, I will bless you. It will be well with you. It will be well with your soul. So, Father, we thank you for, for this morning, God. We are so satisfied in your presence. And, God, there are people here that sit and there are people online that listen today that are so thinly spread that it's even difficult to, to realize your presence, God, because they're emotionally so drained and disconnected, God. Their heart is so, they're just in robot mode, worker mode, Egypt slave mode. And this morning, God, I pray in Jesus' name through your spirit that you will confirm your word individually to everyone. But confirm your instruction, Lord, your invitation, your personal invitation. What does this look like in my life? God, I pray for this congregation and for this city, God, that is, that is a bunch of faithful workers, hard workers, God, people who pride themselves in that they're pouring out themselves passionately in the career paths that you've made for them. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that they will experience your rest, that you will revive, reconnect, renew, restore, rejuvenate joy. God, I pray that joy will bubble over again. That in the presence of the Lord, there may be fullness of joy at your bright brand. There might be pleasures forevermore. Not just for them, but as a sign of the kingdom of God coming to Johannesburg. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.